Greetings, ladies and mendigants, and welcome to this latest episode of Tales from Outer Space. Taken from the subreddit HFY. The links to all the stories will be down below, and as always, I hope that you enjoy. And if you do, please consider subscribing. Story number one, Slumbering Giants, written by Historical Chicken. The day we discovered them was like any other. An exploratory vessel had just crested the orbit of the eighth planet and the weak and barely discernible signal had been picked up. It relied on ancient technology using electromagnetic waves to send signals. Amazing that it made it as far as it did from their planet without deteriorating too badly. Cloaked and orbiting that eighth planet, the crew aboard the vessel began an effort to decipher the signal. It took many months, but eventually the first words emanating from Earth could be heard and understood. It was a message of greeting, one that welcomed visitors from other worlds and offered coordinates to the planet for the designated first contact area. Whoever these people were, they were awfully prepared. These people, soon we found out, were humans. Technically, they called themselves Terrans, but your average human would look at you confused and wonder why you insulted them. We still have yet to master their culture. First contact, as they call it, went spectacularly. Our people sent the shuttle to the planet's surface, and soon as it had broken the atmosphere, there was a full military escort waiting for them. We had assumed at the first that they were our protection, but it has since been found out that they were attempting to show their might and would have gladly fired on the shuttle should we have proven hostile. I dare not think of what would have happened of the humans had they attempted that, though I believe there would be none left to find out. This was the beginning of a fruitful relationship between our peoples. The humans had advanced spectacularly with our guidance, and they supplied us with rich amounts of helium from the surface of their lunar body. For a long while, the humans were content to stay in the neck of the swamp, but eventually their curiosity got the better of them. Within a hundred years of first contact, the humans had completely colonized their home system and began to branch out towards several astronomically close star systems. In this time, the humans had made contact with numerous other species. Many would land in the very field that we had, but there were times when it was the humans who had discovered new people. Post contact with any new civilization is a challenge, but though it was only humans had remained at the top of negotiations and had always won out with their peaceful diplomatic missions. As humans branched out into new systems and uninhabited worlds, the amount of new species they would meet grew exponentially. And eventually, the inevitable had happened. Humans had come up against a world with no interest in diplomacy or peaceful negotiations. The Hyatt were ruthless and took what they wanted without question. Though, at first they had simply avoided one another, interaction was inevitable. And so, it was a confrontation. Tensions came to a heed in the Earth year 2376 when a colony of the Fetrid Four came into contention. The humans already inhabiting Fetrid Four had awoken early one morning to the sound of dropships hurtling towards the soil at the outskirts of the colony. Above them, the rising sun was blotted out by a massive Hyatt warship. The colonists, pitifully armed, offered little resistance and soon surrendered to the might of the invading force. Within hours, the Hyatt commander had contacted the United Earth government. The Hyatt 
had a moral compass and they would not kill indiscriminately, but they were not against taking hostages. To them, the ending of these lies was just a means of to an end. The humans had three days to retract their claim to Hyatt's domain territory. At the time of escalation, I was but a mere century old. I was disappointed when the humans agreed without a fight. If I were them, I remembered saying, I would have blasted that damn Hyatt out of the sky. This would not be the first time my anger flared towards the Hyatt, and towards the humans for not standing up for themselves. In the next fifty years, a cycle formed. The humans would establish a colony, make a planet habitable, and the Hyatt would swoop in and claim that they had already annexed the territory. More ultimatums were handed down, and the humans agreed quicker every time. It soon became that nobody cared when the Hyatt threatened the humans, even my people. Humans' largest ally would barely bring them up in conversation. After all, the humans still created colonies, what's a few in the further reaches. It was a great shock to the people of the galaxy when one day, the humans didn't surrender. The Hyatt had been on their own borders for centuries though, and we paid them little heed. Our might would have matched them, and they knew it. Tensions were high, but never had a shot been fired, until the course of the Siege of Yuturn. Yuturn had been the first avenue of a joint colonization attempt between my people and the humans. It was at the edge of both of our territories, and the Hyatt still claimed to this day that they had no idea my people were involved. This, of course, was a blatant lie. But anyhow, I digressed enough as it is. As I said, the entire galaxy was taken aback when the humans, known to be diplomatic in everything that they did, refused to back down. The resistance on your turn was stronger than had been encountered previously, and before surrender, many of our people had perished along with the humans. The humans, seemingly enough, found this to be an atrocity of epic proportions. They had sent a single ship with the only warning. It read... Continued aggression towards the colonists of Yaturn will henceforth be considered an act of war against the human race, regardless of what species of colonists may be harmed. I, as the newly appointed ambassador to the humans on Earth, was floored by their reaction. I had rushed to speak with whom I could. I attempted to explain to them that they need not push their own risk for the sake of us. But I was every time met with the reassurances and confident lines about protecting those close. If I'm being honest, I was rather overcome with emotion at these responses. The humans, never having waged a serious war since they first embraced the stars, were willing to fight our greatest enemy because they had threatened us. At the time, it was shocking, though I now know more than their culture than I had at the time. Had this happened now, I would think to join them in their campaign. Again, I digress. Apologies. The Hyatt, as the rest of the rest of us, was certainly surprised. This, of course, did not stop them from slaughtering the colonists and repossessing their elements of the synthesizers. What would happen next would shake the known universe to its cold, bitter core. The humans, those peace-loving, law-abiding, generally benevolent humans, declared total war on the Hyatt. At first it seemed that the action was merely ceremonial, no battles had taken place for close to half a year until the Hyatt were confident enough to attempt to take another human colony. When the Hyatt arrived over the planet, they sent their dropships. Before the atmosphere could be disturbed, the dropships were destroyed. From every side, the single warship was taking fire. In a matter of moments, the only remnants of the Hyatt ship was the debris field, quickly cleaned up by automated satellites. 
The human ships still in orbit above the planet were astonishing. Sleek, silver-streaked ships that would be in another time indicate an exploratory vessel now indicated the weapon of destruction. The humans with the minimal standing naval force had retrofitted a countless number of exploratory research colony and transport ships, the scariest of which was perhaps the colony ships. They lacked serious offensive capabilities, but the sheer size allowed them to house upwards of three newly commissioned warships, in a matter of time so considerably short that I could not finish a single class in a human university. The humans had become a force to be reckoned with. As strong as my people are, I fear for those caught in the humans' wrath. Their campaign into Hyatt territory began with the reclamation of every single colony that they had been deprived of. With minimal casualties for the humans, they had secured tens of colonies that once again flew the founder's flag. I wish I could tell you that that was the extent of the war, as much as I still admire the humans. What came next was nothing short of a humiliation for the Hyatt. Having secured their regional colonies and ramped up the forces along their borders, the humans made a push after push deeper into Hyatt space. Within a year, their empire had halved in size, and in one final push, the feet of humanity's colony ships carrying hundreds of the finalized warships made visual contact with the Hyatt homeworld. It was only after a threat of complete annihilation that the Hyatt finally agreed to come to the table for peaceful negotiations. In my time as an ambassador to Earth, the galaxy underwent a complete paradigm shift. Hyatt were no longer the boogeymen hiding in the shadows to take from the weak, and humans were no longer pushovers and easy targets that we once thought them to be. The humans had revealed themselves for what they truly were. A loyal friend, a worthy adversary, and a merciful vector. Having seen the documentaries of the history, it would soon seem obvious. They did not just wage war, they did so swiftly and with ease. These people did not choose peace because they were terrified of war. They were simply tired of it. Death wasn't what they feared. It was more killing. They had perfected killing. End of story. Story number two. All System Science University. So, um, what you're telling me is, uh, written by Apophis Pegasus. There is space Nazis. Ingen cocked her head, accessing the university's information grid, finding the relevant information she formulated a response. That is not entirely correct, Jim Tanner. While Ixians are violently expansionist, they have no qualms about mass murder and adhere to a variant of social Darwinism. The lack of intricacies of Nazism, such as genocidal tendencies and absolutism of authority, the closest human culture appears to be found in Mongolia approximately a thousand years ago. They got trench coats, Getty. Karuta are a militaristic crest of Axians, yes. They've got a weird symbol. The fall size is an ancient symbol, often used to denote rip reaping the four corners of the universe. But the universe doesn't have corners. I'm not going to tell them that. Well, they're trying to invade. You might as well get a chance sooner than you think. We have shelters, human, and our most valuable equipment is housed in our most durable fortifications. Orbital and ground defenses should stave them off. Hmm, mind if we take a crack at it? Giddy looked at the American. She had heard tales about humans, their mad experiments, their odd sense of humor. She concluded that this must be a form of humor that she had heard called sarcasm. 
Being a cultural researcher, she decided to respond in kind. Sure, go ahead. Jim beamed and started running out of the observation room. Thanks, gotta go make some calls. Wait, what? Human humor is so hard, muttered Giddy. Jim raced down the hallway, fumbling with his phone. Couldn't find Space Nazis alone. Who to call? He hit the first number in his call log. Brrrt. Hello? Hate them. Stop condoodling with your new alien girlfriend. Come down to the Section E5 and help me fight Space Nazis. I'm gonna need you to start from the top. Jim took a deep breath, invading alien force. Uh-huh. Trench coats. Uh-huh. Red and black color scheme. Oh. I'll be right over. You want a gun? What? A gun, you know. Shooty, shooty. I got shotguns, rifles, a few pistols. How did you get those off-world? Guns hate them. I'm from Texas. It's like our security blanket. Also, we've got hammers that let us fly around and control the weather, several sets of giant armored robots, and a bioengineered kaiju. A beast from another dimension and enough nanotechnology coursing through us that a bullet wouldn't even do any permanent damage. I hardly think a gun is going to suddenly cause havoc. Fair point. Got anything by Sig? Ain't we Gucci? And yes. On my way, I'll tell some friends and bring the kaiju. Next up was Harry. The Brit was always up for a good tussle. Harry! Yeah? Come help me fight space Nazis. Yeah. You don't want to know more about that sentence. Who gives a crap? They're Nazis. Tell your friends. Yeah. Word spread and soon the majority of the human students and staff were assembled in Section E5, along with their respective inventions, and the beast from Dimension 22304, and enough weapons to start a small militia. The only human left out was Brad. Brad was still getting his face reconstructed. Gilly stood next to the principal too, and the first Ixian ships touched down, to the cheering of the mob of humans. The principal's two left eyes twitched as he started to light a cigarette held in one of his tentacles, a habit he'd picked up shortly after the human's arrival. Taking a draw on it, he trilled weakly and looked at Giddy. At least we won't have a pirate problem anymore. End of story number two. And that, my friends, concludes this video. I hope that you enjoyed. If you did, please consider supporting the author from the link down below. Otherwise, if you wish to support this channel, there are numerous ways to do so, like liking, subscribing, and possibly even becoming a patron. Otherwise, the easiest way would be to share. And until the next video, I hope that you all have a good one, and I'll see you then. Cheers.